What is up, wrestling fans? Your host of the most, George McKayam in the building. I'm here with my cohort in crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell. What's going on, wrestling fans? What's going on? It is it is Christmas come early for our listeners. Because as promised last week, we are doing our monthly superstar profile one week early. We usually do it the first week of December, but you and I thought it would be a little special treat if right before Christmas, we gave back to the fans. Our fans. Our straight talk faithful. And we did another profile. And building off of the excellent profile you yourself did a few weeks ago with Kenny Omega, which I, I'm, I'm, you can't see it because it's a podcast, <laughs> but I am literally bowing down because that was fantastic. Thank you very much, sir. You broke down the info. And in building off that, I figured we'd take a shot at another Bullet Club member. Somebody I've wanted to sink my teeth into for a very long time. Oh, this is going to be good. This one is going to be... I'm excited about this. I put a lot of work into this one, so I hope all of our listeners enjoy it. I hope you yourself are entertained and you learned something today because I learned a lot about Kenny when you did yours. We are doing none other than... The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Yes. I'm not sure if I'm supposed <laughs> to say Rhodes because it's just kind of Cody. It's just Cody. Cody right. Rhodes. You can say Cody Rhodes. We're we, doing Cody we Rhodes. can say Cody Rhodes. He can't. We're doing... Yeah, he can't for... Copyright restrictions. Yes. But we are uh, we're breaking everything down from his uh, high school days to OVO to WWE all the way through Legacy, down through Stardust to the eventual release to everything amazing he's done in the indie circuit. Down. I've got a couple great clips picked out. I'm super jacked to uh, just get into this one. But before we do, Me a couple, too, man. couple quick things we do have to touch on. We've got to give a shout out to George the Iceman and everybody over at Destiny Wrestling. I was in the house in attendance. Got... Got amazing seats for the first ever iPay-Per-View on Fight. You can still catch it now. It's available for $20.99. Check it out. It's worth it. Go I got a chance check that out. For the first Destiny iPay-Per-View, Fearless. And this was great. We had a couple last-minute changes due to injuries, due to guys not being able to fulfill contractual obligations for the pay-per-view because of injuries. Teddy Hart was injured. Um, uh, Phoenix was injured. Yep, Ray Phoenix. He Ray was Phoenix was injured. So uh, it, a couple last minute changes, but they they threw together an amazing event. And two guys I want to shout out so hard: Channing Decker versus Moose for that hardcore cha- that hardcore match was just incredible. Channing Decker ate thumbtacks. Yes, I said it. I'm not stuttering. The man had thumbtacks put into his mouth, then took a 14 and a half size boot to the side of the face. Spit out the thumbtacks, laughed, and gave two middle fingers to Moose. So Channing Decker, you are literally everything that is hardcore right now. I have no bones about saying it. You I saw it hardcore, in the flesh. Man. And you went through three doors. Not tables. Well, he Moose went through a table. But he went through three doors. Doors. I, yes, doors. Yep. If you go on Destiny's Instagram, you can actually go check out. You can check out those videos yourself of watching uh, Channing Decker go through three doors. Yes. <laughs> and we also shared it on all our Straight Talk socials. I shared it on the Facebook page and Twitter. So the videos are there. So shout out to Channing Decker. And the other guy I want to shout out is the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. Seeing this guy go 30 minutes with Rick Swan in one hell of a title defense, defending his... He is currently the Destiny Wrestling Champion, but he is the interim champion because Pete Dunne was injured, had to relinquish the title. Josh won it. But Josh is now going to face Pete Dunne January 20th to see who will finally become the full-fledged Destiny Wrestling Champion. WWE graciously allowed Pete Dunne to come back for this one more event. Took a lot for the Iceman to make it happen, but he did it. And that is on January 20th at Don Koloff Arena. Tickets are on sale now. It is not a pay-per-view, I don't believe. It is a house show, but it's going to be worth it. 
so many aspects. Yep. And we also have another thing we want to shout out right after this episode on all our Straight Talk pages. My cohort in crime, Mr. Drum King Extraordinaire. Again, another bow to you. Another bow to you. He <laughs> Cheers, went out and he literally did uh, the Walking Weapons entrance song and he killed it. The video is going to be up on all our pages. You're going to share it right after this episode. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's just a little clip of Josh's theme song. Um, just thought that it would be a really fun thing to do. And uh, we're, I'm really excited to share this on all our pages and to let you guys have a chance to actually see what I'm up to, where I'm up to on Behind the Kit. Um, you can catch me on my, all my social medias. That's Steve the Animal Drums. Um, pretty much on all on all social media platforms. That includes YouTube. That includes Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Steve the Animal Drums at Steve the Animal Drums for Twitter and for Instagram. So go check that out, and it's going to be a blast to show you guys that. And it's going to be on all our socials, and as well, we have a special announcement to make. You're hosting the Animal. We're getting bigger. We're getting a following. We're getting another social media platform. That's right. Coming next year, January 2019, we are going to have a YouTube page. We are going to have it. We're going to post a lot of cool videos. We've got a couple cool things in the works that we want to do. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have wrestling fans on there as well. It's not just going to be you and I. We're going to do some roundtable discussions. It's going to be really cool, fun, interesting factoids that we're going to be posting on the YouTube page. So look out for that January 2019. Yep. And totally I, get a chance to see some more of our personalities. We're going to show that off. and can't wait to do that. And now you'll have a face for the camera because you don't have yes. a face for radio. We'll have faces for the camera, though. We'll have faces for the camera now. That would be great. <laughs> and um, we also want to let everybody know that next week, for our final episode of 2018, we're going to do another superstar profile. But not a WWE superstar. Not a New Japan superstar. Not a Ring of Honor superstar. Not a TNA superstar. I think it might be actually somebody that we just talked about. It might be somebody we just talked about. It's going to be Josh Alexander, the walking weapon. That's right. We're going to do an in-depth profile on him to let all of you guys out there who don't watch Destiny or who, who don't know much about Destiny know exactly who this guy is and why he literally is the walking weapon. Yes, and we are currently working out an actual interview process with Josh right now. That will be happening at a later date, but for sure we will definitely be sitting down with the walking weapon so that he can also be able to tell his story and to be able to tell you guys exactly why he is the walking weapon. And we can't wait to have that. That's going to be a great conversation, just like George the Iceman was. Yeah. Um, and thanks again to George the Iceman for everything he's done with for us and in terms of you know aligning with Straight Talk. We appreciate it. We appreciate the love from everybody over at Destiny. And like I said, you can still check the pay-per-view out. It's on Fight Network, F-I-T-E. That's fight.tv. And it's available for $20.99. I mean, that's a bargain. Can't but get what, any better than What that. you're going to get in wrestling quality is nothing compared. You're you're getting a deal. Think of all in, and you're getting a cheaper deal. Cool matches, same effect, same all the above. Yeah, and they're just they're just getting better. And of course, on commentary, none other than WWE legend Santino Morella. That was pretty cool to have him yeah, on commentary. Super cool, super great. So I mean, I was in house in the flesh, got to watch it. It was incredible. Steve was not with me that night because he was actually here pulling babysitting duty for me. He watched my beautiful <laughs> girls, which I appreciate. Him and the voice, the voice was in the building. We're also going to get the voice back on in a later date for a couple episodes because we haven't had her on in a bit, and we've got some. I know she's got some time, so we're definitely going to have her on again for sure. Absolutely. And um, it was just an incredible night. I actually got to take Mrs. Host, yes, my wife. That was an impromptu date night, thanks to you, sir, which we absolutely had a blast. And my wife got to see everything that I was talking about, and now I can say my wife, much like you and I, 
was all in on Destiny Wrestling. And that was your wife's first independent wrestling show, so that was even cooler. That's probably the coolest point of the whole night. Yeah, man. Every match was great. Desi Hit Squad, the tag team match they had was fantastic. Um, everybody in the crowd stood up and chanted, Oh, Canada. I could go on about how great the pay-per-view was, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Just go to Fight.TV, pay the $20.99, and enjoy your ass off for two hours of great, great, great wrestling. I'm not going to say independent wrestling, because that's not what it is. It is just great wrestling and destiny wrestling they're the future they're creeping in they're the best thing best kept secret right now in north america yeah put my stamp on that canadian strong style is thriving and once you get on it you're gonna be hooked you're gonna be absolutely hooked so without further ado let's get into it yes mr dashing cody rhodes oh you went dashing oh <laughs> you went it. dashing oh I my god it. i loved it all right so <clears throat> here we go cody garrett reynolds rhodes was born June 30th, 1985. He's an American professional wrestler. He's also an actor who competes as Cody Rhodes. Rhodes is the son of late WWE Hall of Famer Dusty Rhodes. Shout out to Grandson Dusty. of a plumber. Yep. <laughs> and the half-brother of WWE wrestler Goldust. Now, this is interesting. I did not know he was a half-brother. I thought they were brothers. I did not know that they were half-brothers. Yep. I did not know that they had different moms, which is interesting. I guess Dustin was from Dusty's Dusty Rhodes' first marriage, and Cody was from the second. Yes, I believe that was the case. So I did not know that. I learned something in doing my research. That was pretty cool. Uh, after a great amateur wrestling career that resulted in becoming a two-time Georgia State champion, he followed his father and older brother's footsteps into professional wrestling ranks. He joined WWE in 2006, initially being assigned to the company's developmental ter territory, Ohio Valley Wrestling. After becoming a triple crown champion in OVW, he elevated to the main roster in 2007, and he remained there for nine years performing under his real name, and later as Stardust. During his time in WWE, Rhodes became a two-time IC champ, was a, was, a pro, was a prolific tag team wrestler, winning six tag team champions, three world tag team champions, and three WWE tag team championships, uh, with four separate tag team partners. Rhodes left the WWE after requesting his release in May 2016. Following his departure, he began to do all the great stuff we've seen on the indies, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on the show. But right now... Let's start from the beginning. Let's start literally from his early life. So as I mentioned, he was born June 30th, 1985 in Marietta, Georgia. He changed his name to Cody Rhodes at the age of 17. He had a successful high school wrestling career after attending, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, so forgive me, Lassiter High School. He placed sixth in the 171-pound, 78-kilogram division as a sophomore. As a junior, he won the Georgia State Tournament at 189 pounds in 2003, and he repeated his chance as champion his senior year he was plan he had planned to wrestle collegiately in pennsylvania state university but decided to become a professional wrestler instead during his time in high school rhodes also acted as a referee in his father's turnbuckle championship wrestling promotion after graduating high school rhodes attended acting school i don't know if you knew that yep he had some acting very checks. prolific actor yep you can catch his episode i believe he was in one or two on arrow i believe it was season five yeah, not mistaken. And he was on, and now it's on. Uh, what are they into? Seven, season seven now, or something? seven or eight? Something yeah, along yeah, the lines yeah. Of he that. was just recently on another episode. They liked him so much that now they got him back on as another and another episode. Well, he definitely does have that chiseled, you know, chiseled good look frame to him, and uh, he can act. And my God, you just go watch everything he does on Being the Elite. He just became the star of that show when they finally got him on that. <laughs> All right, using his birth name, Cody. Cody Reynolds, Rhodes began wrestling in Ohio Valley Wrestling in June 2006. Reynolds formed a tag team with Sean Spears in mid-August 
and they quickly became embroiled in a feud with the Untouchables over the OVW Southern Tag Team Championships. They first captured the championship from the Untouchables on October 18th. In November 2006, Runnels and Spears defeated the Untouchables in a tag team match and won the services of Cherry. I remember Cherry. She was quite the looker, actually. She was, at the time, the Untouchables manager. Cherry then became accompanied Spears and Runnels to the ringside, and soon Spears began to fall in love with her, which began to interfere with their matches. On November 29th, OVW's Southern Tag Team Championship was vacated after a match between the Untouchables and Runnels and Spears ended in a draw. The following week, a rematch between the two teams was held for the vacant championship. During this match, Cherry turned on Spears and Reynolds, rejoining the Untouchables and helping them regain the tag team championships. Two weeks later, on December 20th, Reynolds and Spears defeated Deuce and Domino in a street fight to win the championship for a second time. Shortly afterwards, Reynolds and Spears became involved in a scripted rivalry with each other, with each other after Spears became jealous of a Reynolds' success as a singles wrestler. Uh, on July 2007th episode of Raw, Ronalds made his television debut using his family's wrestling last name, Rhodes. In a backstage segment with his father, Dusty Rhodes, and Randy Orton, where Orton introduced himself to Rhodes, I remember this, and he slapped Dusty as a sign of disrespect. On July 9th, Rhodes slapped Orton in return, and the following week, Rhodes faced Orton in his debut WWE match, and he lost. Rhodes appeared at the Great American Bash. Uh, remember when WWE took over the Great American Bash? Yep, when they tried to. It wasn't great, and it wasn't American. That's for sure. Any WCW thing they ever tried to do. It's it just, it like, just fell it? apart. You it just fell apart. You just apart. proved it with Starcade. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Well, the good thing about Starcade was Bray Wyatt came back. That was pretty cool to see him back. I'm glad they're starting to get some of their, their regulars back up and running now. The injuries are starting to pass. We should see Kevin Owens, hopefully, fingers crossed, at Rumble. Yeah, and actually, it's re- it's really interesting because you you look at the Rhodes family and then you look at the Rotunda family, and it's really no different from how everybody really thinks that like you have to you have to be like your family members. When in actuality, it's like look at the Rotundas, look at look at Bray Wyatt. He's not going out there saying pay your taxes or anything like that. Yeah, and look at well, look at his brother, right? Yeah. And Bo Dallas went from being you know Bo Leave to being. Um, what are those the four the staple that they had a little bit with the social media outcast? The oh, outcast? The, the social outcast. The social yeah, outcast, yeah, yeah. and then from there he went to the it was the B team, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you look at their family, and it's literally it's absolutely no different from they're the only two families that I've ever seen that are really like that. That's so like, you, you what you're saying is is that in actuality you don't have to follow in daddy's footsteps. Yeah, you really don't. You don't have to follow in their footsteps. And truth be told, when you do their nostalgic maneuvers, all you're really doing is just paying homage to the people who actually did it, and that's what the people are really thinking of. They're not thinking of the the move that you're doing because you didn't create it. The person did that. Your your dad did, or your or or Goldust did, or you know whatever the case may be. Hmm. So what you're saying is, is don't pull a Nia Jax. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. All right. So Roll, uh, so Great America Vash, he prevented Orton from further attacking his father. The next night on Raw, he challenged Orton to a rematch from the previous week, only to lose again. Orton followed this up by kicking Rhodes' father in the head, similar to how he had in the storyline nearly ending both the careers of Shawn Michaels and RVD, Rob Van Dam. Rhodes' next storyline was a rivalry with Davari. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. After he pinned him on July 30th Raw to keep his job... In the midst of the rivalry, he also feuded with the world's greatest tag team, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Remember Charlie Haas? Yes. My God, how horrible was he? Team Angle. Oh, my God. The two feuds <laughs> combined uh, combined when Rhodes, along with Paul London and Brian Kendrick, beat the world's greatest tag team, Endivari, in a six-man, a six-man tag team match. The following week, Rhodes teamed up with Mickey James to defeat Davari and Jillian Hall. Remember Jillian Hall? 
Yes. This is very nostalgic. Even though this is only like 2007, this is very, this is such a lot. This is 11 years ago, man. Yeah. A lot has changed. Like these, some of these names aren't even active. A lot of anymore. everything has just changed for the better. When yes. I hear some of these names, I'm like, thank God this stuff changed for the so, better. So when he teamed with Mickey James, that ended the scripted rivalry. Three weeks later, he began a feud with Hardcore Holly. He lost three consecutive matches to him. Yes, Hardcore Holly was still an active wrestler in 2007. Yep. Um, he lost three matches to him. Rhodes eventually earned Holly's respect, impressing Holly during their matches with his persistence and several near falls. The two formed a tag team. They earned a shot at the WWE Tag Team titles by defeating by defeating sorry London and Kendrick and the Highlanders in a WWE.com exclusive match after Alabama Slam. Oh my God, Alabama Slam, Jesus. They fought against tag team champions Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. Oh my God, Cade and Murdoch. Yeah. At Survivor Series and what was Rhodes' first on-screen title shot. Uh, and November 19th, Raw, Rhodes forced Hall, uh, faced Holly for a fourth time and he beat him for the first time. Although they were both attacked by Randy Orton afterwards. On, a, on the 15th anniversary special of Raw that aired on December 10th, 2007, Rhodes, along with Hardcore Holly, defeated Kate and Murdoch for their first World Tag Team Championship. Marking Rhodes' first championship in WWE as well. The following week, Rhodes and Holly retained their title in their first title advance again, against, again, Kate and Murdoch. They also successfully defeated the championships, uh, defended the championship, sorry, against Santino Morella and Carlito, and Paul London and Brian Kendrick. In May 2008, Ted DiBiase began feuding with the duo, threatening to take their titles in his first match as part of the Raw brand. At, a at the pay-per-view event Night of Champions on June 29th, Rhodes turned on Holly, I remember this night, and revealing himself as Ted DiBiase's partner. And he helped Ted DiBiase win the match, becoming the villain for the first time in his career, and also a two-time World Tag Team Champion. Now from here we're going to skip right into Legacy. This was probably uh, the coolest storyline I think Cody had in WWE. When he was active in WWE, this was probably my favorite storyline that they did. And this was actually a take on my favorite, Triple H's Evolution. Much like Evolution was similar to bringing in two young hungry guys with the veteran leadership Legacy was very much the same. You had the veteran leadership in Randy Orton, and you had the young, hungry guys in Ted DiBiase and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, just made sense. So they put the third-generation guys together, <laughs> second-generation guys together, and you know, make them, make them a team. Absolutely. So after holding the championships for just over a month, they dropped it to CNN Batista in 2008. Following a week, DiBiase and Rhodes used their rematch clause to regain the championship. Rhodes and DiBiase were joined by Manu, the son of Afa, in September, forming a staple of multi-generational wrestlers. On October 27th, Rhodes and DiBiase lost the championships to, at the time, Kofi Kingston and your favorite, CM Punk. <laughs> On November 3rd, 2008 edition of Raw, Rhodes, DiBiase, and Manu entered a storyline with Orton, where Orton consistently criticized and insulted them, and he eventually attacked Ted DiBiase. At Survivor Series, Rhodes, along with Orton, was a survivor for Orton's team in the annual elimination match. Rhodes and Manu accepted, Orton, accepted Orton's offer, of an alliance in the following weeks the trio dubbed themselves legacy debuting a two-on-three handicap match against batista and triple h orton began scheduling tests for legacy members so that they could prove themselves and over two weeks both manu and sim snooka who jimmy snooka's son were kicked out they had a very brief stint in wwe very 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 brief somehow tamina's had a long-standing career but sim who's way more gifted has not which is sad yeah. I'm not sure what happened there. I'd have to dig deeper. 
But, um, yeah, I don't know how Tamina and her wobbly legs are still functioning in WWE. Yeah, it's kind of like Ricky Steamboat's son. Unfortunately, that just didn't work out. It's just one of those things where it just happened for a little bit, and then it just fizzled out very quickly, and just never, nothing came of it. I think it's, I think it's kind of one of those moments that you literally, like you said earlier, you can't follow in your parents' footsteps. You no. can't. And, and even though, even though you have, even though you may have gifted athleticism, much like, um, what AJ Lee said to the Bellas, talent is not sexually transmitted. Mm-hmm. So even though you came, you know, you share some of your father's DNA, doesn't mean you're going to have his ability. David Flair. <laughs> like that, that let it, like, <laughs> really, like I just immediately, as soon as I think of any legacy of any family dynasty, I just immediately look at David Flair and I'm just like, man, sometimes it just, it doesn't work out if you are the son of, or a daughter of somebody who is famous and mm-hmm. somebody who already made their name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're 100% right. On January 12, 2009, Snuka and Manu gave Rhodes a chance to align with them to attack Orton, along with the returning DiBiase. But Rhodes refused. As they ambushed Orton, DiBiase instead joined with Orton and Rhodes to attack Snuka and Manu and became a member of Legacy. As part of Legacy, Rhodes entered the Royal Rumble match in order to help Orton win. He lasted until the final three before being eliminated by Triple H. Rhodes and DiBiase became involved in Orton's scripted rivalry with the McMahon family, helping him attack Shane and Stephanie. I remember that. And Stephanie's real-life husband, Triple H. Rhodes was elevated to main event status as a result of joining joining Legacy, competing in a handicap and six-man tag team matches against Orton's opponents and his rivals. On April 26th at Backlash, Rhodes, DiBiase, and Orton defeated Triple H, Batista, and Shane McMahon in a six-man tag match, which was, per the pre-match stipulation, resulted in Orton winning the WWE Championship. Rhodes suffered a minor neck injury later on in June, but did not need to take any time off to recover. Throughout mid-2009, Rhodes and DiBiase continued to compete against Orton's rivals, especially Triple H, led to Triple H reforming D-Generation X again with Shawn Michaels, and DX defeated Rhodes and DiBiase at SummerSlam. Rhodes and DiBiase defeated DX in the following pay-per-view, Breaking Point, in a Submissions Count Anywhere match. Go back and watch that match if you haven't. Go back and really watch it. I actually, doing my research, I went back and I watched this yesterday, and man, it was a barn burner. It was one heck of a match. It wasn't, you know, the greatest match I had ever seen, but it was definitely not the worst. No, I actually, you know what? I never not liked any of Cody's matches that I ever watched. It was even Bret Hart at that time. He was the guy that was literally going around to every interview panel under the sun and was telling the most technically proficient wrestler to have ever graced the wrestling ring was going around telling everybody about if you don't watch Cody Rhodes, then there's something wrong with you because he is the greatest thing going on in wrestling right now. And that was an endorsement only in 2009. Yep. That was a pretty big deal. Um, but uh, they were defeated in a Hell in a Cell match later at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in October when Rhodes was pinned following a sledgehammer shot to the head. That also was a pretty cool match. Go back and check yep. that one out. You can find all these matches exclusively on the WWE Network. Ready? for. So, um, tensions with Legacy became apparent in the 2010 Royal Rumble, where Rhodes attempted to interfere in Orton's match for the WWE Championship. Rhodes was caught by the referee, resulting in a disqualification for Orton, who attacked Rhodes and DiBiase when they tried to help Rhodes after the match. On February 15th, Raw, Orton took on Sheamus in a non-title rematch, but was again disqualified after Rhodes and DiBiase interfered. During WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match, Rhodes interfered, passing a lead lead pipe through the cage to DiBiase. DiBiase hit Orton with the pipe and eliminated him from the match. The next night on Raw, Orton attacked Rhodes and DiBiase during a six-man tag match, and they attacked Orton the following week in retaliation. 
This led to a triple threat match at WrestleMania 29, in which Orton defeated Rhodes and DiBiase. Now we get into your favorite character, Dash It, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> this is from 2010 to 2011. Oh, the excellent reinvention of, of Cody Rhodes, because he, he was skyrocketing. He was on a rocket ship to the top at that well, point. Well, like I said at the beginning, when we got into the legacy portion of his story, yeah. this was the best storyline that he had. This was a good, solid year-plus of great matches, great wrestling, promo skills were picking up, and he aligned himself with the hottest thing in WWE at the time, which was Randy Orton. So yeah. it was a recipe for success. Plus, he's battling with the McMahons. And as we know, if you're in a storyline with the McMahons, that means that Vince has taken a serious, serious look at you and sees potential. Absolutely. They but, unfortunately stuck him with Ted DiBiase, and that was his downfall. That's where that's where, right. that's where everything kind of went off the rails, was when it was like, we're going great here with everybody on their own, and then... We're going to, no, okay, now we're going to take a backseat to all that. Now we're going to stick these two gents together because they're generational guys and moving them up only. Unfortunately, one was a lot better than the other one. 100%. 100% and, that, and that sucks too because DiBiase had good moments in matches, but it wasn't much like what you, like Cody, you saw consistent. You yeah. saw consistent, good matches. He may have not been winning all the time, but you saw consistency. You saw skill. Yep. You saw that, that talent was transparent, at least in the Rhodes family. With Ted DiBiase, what you did get was great mic skills, much like his dad, but none of the in-ring ability. Plus, Cody tried to craft his own legacy, whereas Ted DiBiase went right away into the Million Dollar Man moniker. He eventually came out with the Million Dollar Championship when he returned a few years later, and then he just fizzled away because people just didn't care. And he also came out with his dad as his valet for a brief period, yeah. which was, was, at that point, now you're just, you're much like Charlotte was for a little bit. With Rick, before they finally kicked Rick to the curb, it's like, dude, I get it. You're a flair. You do the chops. You do the woo. You do the strut. Show me something else. Yeah. You coming out with your dad's million-dollar championship doesn't make me respect you. It makes me think of you like Nia Jax before Nia Jax was your dad. Nia Jax. I don't care for what your character's <clears throat> doing. It doesn't make me think of you. It makes me only think of your dad. It makes me think of the legacy that was the million-dollar man because everybody got a price for the million-dollar man. Nah, 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 nah. That's right. My favorite vignette of his was when he went to the restaurant, buds in front of like 20 people in line, and there was that awful extra with like a 1980s mullet. He's like, hey man, back of the line. <laughs> and he just points at him with like that angry, like lowered eyebrow face, like he's yeah. trying to make things break with his eyes. Hey yeah. man, back of the line. And he'd be honest, he's like, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Shh. Shut up. Shut up. That was great. He treated everybody like Virgil, and I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. I so great. great. Remember when Virgil turned on him? Oh, my God. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> awful. All right, anyways, now we're going into your favorite character, Dash and Cody Rhodes. As part of the 2010 sub... sub ah, sorry, let me start that again. As part of the 2010 supplemental draft, Rhodes was drafted at SmackDown brand. He made his debut to the brand in April 30th by defeating John Morrison. The following week on SmackDown, Rhodes participated in a tournament for the vacant Intercontinental Championship but he lost to Christian in the semifinals. Rhodes then began mentoring Husky Harris, a third-generation wrestler, in the second season of NXT. On June 25th, SmackDown, Rhodes began a new narcissistic gimmick, claiming to be the best-looking wrestler in WWE, and demanding to be called Dashing Cody Rhodes. As part of the gimmick, vignettes began airing in which Rhodes gave grooming tips. I looked at some of these vignettes, and I felt like I should play one, but then I also felt like I shouldn't. Because this is not how I want people to know Cody. 
I want people to know Cody for everything after. No, oh, it was like watching vignettes of when Brutus the Barber Beefcake talked about when he got his character and was just like, what do I do with this? You can totally just see, like, the awkwardness. You can hear the awkwardness of just, like, I do, I'm not enjoying this at all, but I have to do it. The only thing people remember Brutus for is when Shawn Michaels threw Marty Janetto through the barbershop window. Yep. That really <laughs> is the only thing Brutus has a claim to fame, and he didn't have any part of it. And just tagging, tagging along with Hogan. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So as part of the gimmicks, he gave grooming tips. He was extremely protective of his face during matches. And if he was hit in the face, he would throw a fit and checked his mirror. In September, he attacked Christian along with Drew McIntyre. First time Drew McIntyre was WWE, which was not good. This was actually right before he joined my favorite staple, Three Man Band. And it's awesome how, how later on we'll find out yeah, full about how it exactly. all comes back around. I'm really excited for that when we get to Absolutely. that part. Yeah. Holy crap. Very cool. Uh, after the match, and the duel also attacked Matt Hardy, forming an alliance. At Night of Champions in September, Rhodes and McIntyre captured the WWE Tag Team Championships and a Tag Team Turmoil match. That also included the Hart Dynasty. Uh, later on, uh, Rhodes and McIntyre lost the championship to Nexus, John Cena, and David Otunga. On October 29th, SmackDown, after losing the tag team match, Rhodes and McIntyre dissolved the brief partnership. Now we get into the Intercontinental Championship, and this is actually very, very short. I'm not going to take too much time because it was not a great run, unfortunately. First yeah, time it's, around. it's really when he gets <coughs> to his independent circuit is where everything takes off. But yeah, let's let's continue with everything. Everything everything definitely changes for the better. So in January 21st, 2011, he faced Rey Mysterio in a match. During that match, Mysterio hit Rhodes in the face with an exposed knee brace and legitimately broke Rhodes' nose, which led to Rhodes declaring he was no longer dashing and had required facial reconstructive surgery. <laughs> Rhodes was off television for several weeks, missing both Rumble and Elimination Chamber. Upon his return, he wore a clear protective mask, much like the sports stars wear, like when they see a basketball player uh, and they have like a nose injury, they wear that clear protective mask. It makes you look awkward and weird. That was the mat. It has like felt on the inside. It's very clear. It's got two eye holes. It almost looks like a Phantom of the Opera mask, not painted white. It looks like an updated version of the mask that Virgil had to wear back in the day. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Very much exactly. You hit, you hit the nail on the coffin right there, sir. Well, upon his return, he wore the mask over his face, and he colluded with his father to attack Mysterio and remove Mysterio's mask. On February 25th edition of SmackDown. Rhodes then regularly used his protective mask as a weapon during matches by headbutting opponents and sometimes took off the mask to use it to hit the opponents while they were down. Rhodes and Mysterio faced, faced off in a match at WrestleMania this is XXV11, 27 on April 3rd. My apologies. The, the WrestleMania I talked about with the triple threat match, that was WrestleMania 26. This is WrestleMania 27 on April 3rd. I'm not good with Roman numerals, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> when Rhodes won, uh, he won that match, and the duel also faced off in a false count anywhere match at Extreme Rules pay-per-view in May, which was won by Mysterio. Now, again, go back and watch that match, because Mysterio has always had classic great matches, but this one was probably one of Ray's best and Cody's best. Oh, yeah, Ray and Cody and Ray and Randy. <clears throat> they were, or, or Randy, and, uh, Randy and Cody were like, they were the perfect dance partners for each other. Yeah, this this match, this Falls Count Anywhere match, I did watch this again last night to do my research, and this match was great. It was about two hours solid of watching old-school Cody Rhodes, which, you know what, made me appreciate all that we have today because WWE, if one thing WWE did, it gave him a platform to work with. It's kind of like when a, when a sculptor picks up that piece of clay for the first time. This yeah. kind of gave Cody levels. To get to where he is to. So, I want to say WWE kind of gave him a chance, but didn't really. And it's unfortunate, because if they had, they literally would have had something incredible. And it's too bad that they were so easy to re release him. Literally requested his release, and then one day later it was granted. It wasn't even like a thought. Hey Vince, yeah, 
Cody Rhodes wants out. Yep. Send him away. They were so all in with Cena. They were so all in with Orton. They were all in with all these other guys it's, that it really didn't it didn't matter. It's sad. And I, you know what? Vince McMahon will never admit it. But much like uh, with what we learned from Kenny Omega when he was in the um, in the developmental uh, portion of WWE, mm-hmm. they never gave him a fair shake. And I know if Vince could go back, he would say, spend more time on these guys. Because they're going to be something big. And it's too bad the performance center and all the stuff that we have now wasn't around. Because if he had seen what they could do on their own, we might have a very different landscape in wrestling today. Because he, he literally had the two best dudes in wrestling today in his house. And he screwed it up. So, I mean, this is one of those things that you got to kick yourself, right? Like you got to just, uh, like the dude who sold Victoria's Secret for $6 million. Or Tim Horton's wife when she sold the franchise for a million. Like, you got to kick yourself when you make stupid decisions. Right. You know? It's like like a 16-year-old who doesn't wear a condom and then gets his girlfriend pregnant and goes, what? Yeah. You just, you're an idiot. You made a bad decision. Sorry. (laughs) They're definitely on the radar now, and they're definitely kicking themselves now. 100%. 100%. And the only one who could probably bridge that, who could probably rebuild that bridge, would be Triple H, as he's done so much. Sting, uh, Macho Man, Warrior, he's the one who's bridged all, he's the one who's extended the olive branch. Not Vince. Vince just waits for them to come back and says, hey, shout out. Yep, but I know Cody's right where he's supposed to be. Absolutely. So anyways, continuing on as we are, on subsequent episodes of SmackDown following WrestleMania 27, Rhodes, with the help of assistants, would hand out paper bags. This is my favorite shtick. I didn't like this whole thing, but this was my favorite part of the shtick. He would hand out paper bags to the audience during his promos. He would demand the audience put on the paper bags on their heads to cover up their ugliness and imperfections. When he would hand them to kids. That was my favorite. That was the best part because they offended him. Rhodes also put paper bags over several of his opponent's heads after matches with them. Rhodes reformed his alliance with DiBiase for a short period in May 20th. And the duo went on to feud with Sin Cara and Daniel Bryan. Second annual Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Rhodes participated in the Money in Bank ladder match but was unsuccessful as Bryan won the match. In August 9 tapings and August 12 tapings of SmackDown, Rhodes defeated Ezekiel Jackson to win the Intercontinental Championship, his first singles title in the company. He made his first title defense following the following week on SmackDown by defeating Jackson in a rematch. The same night, Rhodes and DiBiase had a verbal confrontation with Orton. The following week, Rhodes attacked DiBiase after late, after latter loss in a singles match to Orton, ending their alliance and resulting in an Intercontinental Championship match between both of them at Night of Champions. Rhodes would retain. Simultaneously, Rhodes had begun a feud with Orton, and with Orton defeating Rhodes on September 9th, SmackDown, and Rhodes defeated Orton on September 12th, Raw, with Mark Henry distracting Orton. On September 23rd, SmackDown, Rhodes defeated Orton by disqualification when Orton took Rhodes' mask off and hit him with it. Post-match, Orton attacked Rhodes with the timekeeper's bell, legitimately cutting Rhodes and causing bleeding. The footage, the footage was highly edited for some broadcasts, and the following week on SmackDown, Rhodes claims he needed nine staples to close the wound. At the same time, in the feud with Orton, Rhodes was successfully defending his Intercontinental Championship, including a 10-man battle royal against Sheamus and against Sheamus in a singles match. The Hell in Cell pay-per-view on October 2nd, Rhodes debuted the new Intercontinental Champion design, which we know we have now, which was the return of the white strap and the plates identical to the early 1980s design. Yep, we can thank Cody Rhodes for that. That's so awesome. Uh, later on at Vengeance, Rhodes was defeated by Orton in a non-title match. And on November 4, SmackDown, Orton defeated Rhodes in a street fight to end the feud. In the process, Orton broke Rhodes' mask. On November 14th, Raw, Rhodes reappeared without his mask, claiming that Orton had set him free, signaling the end of the masked gimmick. Not a great gimmick by any standpoint, but I think what he had to work with was, well, 
Uh, my favorite part about it, obviously, was the paperbacks, for sure. Definitely. Rhodes then feuded with SmackDown commentator Booker T, attacking him from behind on several occasions and successfully retaining the Intercontinental Championship against him at TLC in 2012 and at the 2012 Royal Rumble. Uh, Rhodes also lasted, oh, sorry, and my apologies, defeated him on January 6, 2012 SmackDown and at TLC. My apologies on that. In the 2012 Royal Rumble, Rhodes later, Rhodes lasted 40 minutes and eliminated more wrestlers than any other competitor with six before he was eliminated by Big Show. That's a big deal because the last 40 minutes in a Royal Rumble and to eliminate six competitors, that's a big deal. Yeah, and that's a lot of endurance to go 40 minutes. I mean, you know, you hear the guys, you hear the guys that go hour and six, hour and seven. I mean, 40's not that far off. Yeah. And he, that was the back in the day when you weren't, you didn't just have one guy getting thrown out and waiting on another guy. This is when you had at least five, six guys in the ring at a given time. So the last 40 minutes, that's a big deal. Yeah. And that was around that time where I started really, Cody was on the radar of like, for me anyway, that was really like, wow, this guy can go. This guy can really go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the Elimination Chamber uh, later on that year, Rhodes pinned show in the World Heavyweight Championship match at Elimination Chamber before being eliminated by Santino Morella. Rhodes spent the following weeks highlighting show's embarrassing moments at previous WrestleManias and often costing show to lose matches in the process. At WrestleMania 28, Rhodes lost the Intercontinental Championship to Big Show, ending his near eight-month reign of 236 days. That's pretty decent for your first title reign. Yep. Following the loss of WrestleMania, Rhodes went on for a brief losing streak. Uh... Due to show distracting him during matches, four weeks after losing the title, Rhodes regained it at Extreme Rules in a Tables match. On the May 7th episode of Raw, Rhodes retained his title against Show in a rematch after getting himself counted out. Two weeks later at Over the Limit, Rhodes lost the Intercontinental Championship to a returning Christian. And in No Way Out, he failed to regain it from Christian in the rematch. In the June 29th SmackDown, Rhodes and David Otunga were defeated by Christian and United States Champion Santino Morella in the Money in the Bank qualification match for the Heavyweight Championship due to Otunga being pinned. Afterwards, Rhodes claimed that he hadn't lost and demanded another chance. Four days later, the Super Smackdown Live, WWE Board of Directors granted him another shot and he defeated Christian to earn a spot in the match. However, that year, the Money in the Bank winner was Dolph Ziggler. In August, Cody Rhodes restarted his feud with Sin Cara, where he was obsessed with unmasking him. So that was pretty much the Intercontinental title reign. Now we get into the Team Rhodes Scholars. And this is not something I really want to spend a lot of time on. Team Rhodes Scholars, when he teamed with Damian Sandow after they attacked the Tag Team Championships, Hell No at the time, Daniel Bryan and Kane, September 24th, Raw, vowing to become the next champions. The team not known as Ro- uh, now known as the Rhodes Scholars were entered in the Tag Team Championship Tournament and defeated the Usos to advance. On October 8th, Team Rhodes Scholars defeated Santino Morella and Zack Ryder to advance to the finals. Ultimately, Team Rhodes Scholars defeated Rey Mysterio and Sankara on October 22nd, Raw, to win the tournament and become the number one contender for the Tag Team Championship. Team Road Scholars got their title opportunity against Hell No at the Hell in the Cell on October 28th, where they won by disqualification, thus Team Hell No retained the title. They also received another shot on November 14th at WWE Main Event, but were again defeated by Team Hell No. During the match, Rhodes suffered a concussion and a strained shoulder, and it resulted him from being removed from the traditional 5-on-5 tag match. Uh, he returned from the injury on December 10th, uh, that 5-on-5 story with Survivor Series that year, he could not participate because of the concussion and the strained shoulder. So he returned to December 10th Raw, sporting a mustache, where he and Sandow were uh, sporting a mustache, and he and Sandow were defeated by Primo and Epico. The reason why I mention the mustache is because if you look at it, it was not. Mustaches and Cody Rhodes don't go together. Just go back and look at any of that footage. 
he looked like Mr. Wilson before Mr. Wilson became old and angry. And that's why it was so great, because he would pull on it all the time, and he would like ah! play with it all the time, and it was just like this thing where it's like, he knows how bad this is, but like, I'm just going to go with it and make people think I love this thing. <laughs> he should have, honestly, he should have worn a monocle and walked around being like, BULLY! Yeah. <laughs> but he, he never did, too bad. Uh, they defeated Primo and Epico, and the primetime Flamers, and the Usos in a fatal four-way, to earn the right to face Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara as the number one contenders table match at TLC. Six days later at the pay-per-view, they defeated Mysterio and Sin Cara to again become the number one contenders. The first, the, the, let's just reiterate here, the first Sin Cara that screwed up everything all the time. Continue. Yeah, not, <laughs> not the Sin Cara we know now. Yes, you are right. You are right. Much like, um, much like anybody, when you wear a mask, they are easily replaceable because yep. you don't see their face. So, you know. Screwed up his entrance every night. <laughs> Continue. All right. So, um, <laughs> so they became number one contenders for the tag team championship after they defeated Rey Mysterio and Sankara. Uh, the Rhodes Scholars received their title shot at main event. And uh, once again, were defeated by Team Hell No. Surprise, surprise. On January 7, 2013, they defeated Team Hell No in a non-title match to earn another tag team title shot. Uh, the rematch took place at the January 27th edition of Royal Rumble that year, where they once again failed to capture the tag team titles. Later that night, Rhodes participated in the Rumble match and lasted 27 minutes, the fourth longest of the match, eliminating four men, including his half-brother Goldust, before being eliminated by the eventual winner of that year, John Cena. On the next SmackDown, Rhodes and Sandow mutually decided to dissolve Team Rhodes Scholars and remain best friends. However, they reunited during the pre-show of Elimination Chamber on February 17th but were defeated by the tag team of Brutus Clay and Tasani. Um, then they later aligned themselves with the Bella Twins and began feuding with tons of funk and the Funkadactyls. The two teams were originally booked to face each other in an eight-person mixed tag at WrestleMania 29, but their match was cut due to time constraints. The match instead took place the following night on Raw, where tons of funk and the Funkadactyls emerged victorious. If you don't know who the Funkadactyls are, they were Cameron and Naomi at the time. Uh, this was when Total Divas was just kind of starting. Yep. So um, Cameron, who's no longer with the WWE, and Naomi, as we all know, as Naomi Blow, she was SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah, and Brodus Clay, that they were like very hell. I remember when they first brought him in, it was like they were hell bent on. There was a rocket ship for this guy right to the moon for like a month, and then they stopped doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and then they brought in Prince Albert as Tasani. Yeah, and it just fell flat. And now Prince Albert is the head trainer and doing quite well. Yeah, quite well. <laughs> um, so you know, good for him that he found something backstage. Right, which is great. And a lot of times, if you can't do, you teach. Yeah, and Prince Albert couldn't do. And, then, and, and but he could teach. And that's the thing is, I often I, I, I I'm just going to touch on that for one second. We're going to continue with Cody Rhodes. For people who can't do, why are you teaching it? That's just my question. I'm just just curious. It's it's a very valid one at that, and I think I don't understand why that ever started. I don't know where the saying I don't know where the saying came from, but a lot of times people who can't do end up being better teachers. It's weird. It's like they see the sport from a different perspective. Yeah. Much like coaches. There's a lot of coaches uh, in all kinds of sports that were not very good players, never made it past AAA ball in baseball, or never made it to the majors in hockey yeah, or yeah. basketball, but did very well. On Sometimes you can mold minds better than you can execute yourself, if that makes any kind of sense. I guess it's kind of like being in the perspective of a person in the stands and the way that we would all just sit there and be like, oh, come on, why didn't you pass to him when the guy actually ended up passing to the other guy because we can actually oversee 
the whole thing as opposed to where the the one guy is just seeing it from the just his perspective and you know that kind of thing. I so I totally get it. Yeah, I, I mean, totally uh, see that. Hundred percent. I couldn't shoot a jump shot for all of it, but I love basketball with all my heart. I know everything there is to know about the sport, but um, if anybody asked me to coach kids, I could probably coach them great. Teach them how to flick a wrist properly to I, get it up there well, and, you know, and I, get the I basket. Know, I, exactly. You know, you know the fundamentals, and I think that's where that saying comes from. Sometimes when you can't do. You end up learning the fundamentals and learning the business. Yeah. And same thing with wrestling. At the end of the day, it's a business, but there are fundamentals to it. You have to learn how to take a bump. And if you can take a bump, then you can teach a bump. Yeah. That's where I guess I guess the perspective goes to that. But I do understand your point. It's a valid question. But that's a whole other episode itself. Right? We should do that in the new year. Those who couldn't do, but now teach. And those who teach... Those who teach and are good at it, and those who can't do and teach it, and who absolutely suck at it. I think that's something to possibly ponder in the new year for another upcoming episode. I totally agree. I like it. All right, so on July 4th at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, Rhodes uh, competed in the World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank match. He was unsuccessful in that match, and he was won by his tag team partner, Damian Sandow. Uh, this started a feud with them after Sandow threw Rhodes off the ladder. Rhodes was about to win the match. The following night on Raw, he attacked Sandow effectively dissolving the, the Road Scholars, turning into a fan favorite in the process for the first time since 2008. On June 26, SmackDown, Rhodes stole the briefcase from Sandow and threw it into the Gulf of Mexico. Sandow was able, unable to save it because he could not swim. On the August 5th, Raw, Rhodes gave Sandow the briefcase, but he retrieved from the Gulf of Mexico, but he kept the contract for himself. Rhodes continued his feud with Sandow in the same week, SmackDown, but preventing Sandow from cashing in at a very vulnerable Alberto Del Rio. On August 18, SummerSlam... No longer sporting a mustache, Rhodes defeated Sandow. I had to highlight that again because I thought it was important to show how long the mustache actually lasted. Uh, he defeated Sandow in a singles match, and he did so again the following night on Raw. Following week on Raw, Rhodes teamed with The Miz and defeated Sandow and Fandango, thus ending the feud. Now we get into the Brotherhood, which eventually leads into his release. Or, well, eventually transitions into Stardust, and then eventually leads to his release. Yes. So, on September 2nd, Raw... As punishment for speaking out against the COO, Triple H, um, Rhodes was forced to put his job on the line where he faced WWE Champion Randy Orton in a non-title match. It was also mentioned that Rhodes was soon to be married at the time, so Rhodes lost and was duly fired. This storyline was put into place to give him time for his marriage and his honeymoon to Brandi Reed, or as we all know her as Eden. It was also put in place to put the impending return of his half-brother Dustin, who is more well-known as Goldust. So, at this point in time, guys, I want to play a clip. This is probably one of my favorite Cody Rhodes promos from WWE. This is when um, he reacts to getting fired and, um, what's his name, Phillips? Josh Phillips? Uh, yes, jo Josh Phillips. Josh, or, no, uh, Josh Matthews. Josh Matthews <laughs> just puts a mic in his face. And this was just raw, real emotion, and he sold it so well. Probably one of my favorite, and again, I say it like this, favorite Cody Rhodes promos. Because I also do have a favorite Stardust promo. So, let's get into this one, guys. Oh, the 20 oh, I am so sorry about this. I had it queued up and the ad came. So, there's not much I can do about that. We're going we'll to have We'll be getting YouTube Premium very soon, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very soon. I apologize about this, guys. I'm sorry. We'll have to play the uh Well, you know what I'll do? I'll continue on with the thing while I let the ad play out. And uh, hopefully it doesn't interfere with anything. So, like I was saying, this was one of my favorite promos because of the simple fact that the emotion was very raw and real. So I really did like it, and I hope you guys like it too. Um, and this would eventually lead into uh, the reuniting with Dusty and eventually leading into the Stardust moniker. So here we go, guys. 
Excuse me, Cody. What? Co Cody, obviously a very uh, emotional night for you. Do you have any parting words for the WWE Universe? <laughs> for parting word? Yeah, sure. Randy Orton beat me fair and square. That's what happened. He was the better man. I lost. That happened. It was that damn stipulation. If I lose, I'm fired. My job, my dream. I, I shouldn't be surprised, because for over two decades, for over two decades, the McMahons have hated the roads. My dad set Florida on fire. He was a Hall of Famer. He shows up here, they put him in polka dots, and they make him dance. My brother was a second-generation stud, the natural, and I loved him. And they put him in gold paint, and he has never been the same. He's never been and the me, same. I have a wife to provide for now, Josh. Uh, Cody, 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 you mentioned uh, your wife, you're getting married soon. Um, ha have you spoken to your fiance? Do you have anything that you want to say to her now as she's watching Monday Night Raw? Yeah, peace out. <laughs> great, great, great clip. Sorry about the ad thing. What can you do when you're going live, right? It is what it is. It is what it is. But, man, that's where it really shows off uh, Cody's acting chops. And my favorite part of all of it was when he just threw the little tagline in there of, like, yeah, Goldust, they dressed him up as Goldust and put him in face paint, and he's just never been the same since. Put him gold paint, he's never been the he's same. He's never been the same since. So like, <laughs> Again, that's... <laughs> That's why it's that's why it's one of my like literally all time favorite Cody Rhodes promos, and this is where you could see that everything was there, the package was there, just for whatever reason he wasn't given a fair shot, and I don't know, but I, I, a lot of that was raw emotion because I believe that to be true. Some 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 of which is actually very true. Some, well, I mean, think about it, right? His father did set Florida on fire. He was a Hall of Famer. He comes to WWE, he's in polka dots, and he's dancing. Yeah, and then Cody did an interview not long ago where he did talk about the Rhodes family and just essentially how um, that's the whole point of WWE. You go from you work you work the Indies, you work your, your you work your name and you build your name, and then unfortunately when you come to WWE, they literally sit you down and go, "You don't have to worry about making any more decisions ever again. We just have fun." Apparently, that's what they told Dusty. That's what Vince told Dusty when he first came in was like, "Don't worry about making any more decisions, sir. Um, you, you just have fun." And that was literally just, that's because that's the moniker of the way that the WWE runs everything. There's no decision making that has to, you have yeah, to worry Yeah, because about one it. person has to make all decision because yeah. he feels that he knows what's right for the business. But and the one what's thing, right for them. Well, what's the, right for the characters. Yeah, but the one thing is, is that the business is organic. Okay, it's organic. Mm -hmm. You could put somebody out there as a face. You could come out as a face tomorrow. Doesn't mean I'm going to invest in you. Doesn't mean I'm going to like you. Much like any movie you watch or any artist you fall in love with musician-wise, musically, you have to be, there has to be a connection. There has to be either a song that they're singing, a lyric that touches you, that you're like, okay, I'm all in Absolutely. with this guy. And I find a lot of the time with Vince McMahon, he feels like he knows what we want. And if anything on this 65 episodes on this podcast in is what we already had is an abundance of wrestling knowledge. But now we've given ourselves a platform because we got tired. A year and a half ago, we sat back and we're like, you know, we're tired of all the shit that's getting fed down our throats. And really want to be able to just talk about all this stuff and have a platform. Well, it's a therapy session, like, really. Yeah, it is, really. For, for every week for you and I, it's it's a chance for us to research our favorite guys, but also have our therapy session. I mean, shit, I could do a whole show on how much I hate Nia Jax. <laughs> and it would be 100% proven. 
truth. Absolutely. Watch the Tom Bill Yeo episode that just happened recently with Nia Jax. You'll find out what a robot she really is. Oh, she's um, an idiot. But it, you get to find that out with like just Damien Sandow, how they teamed up with him and Damien Sandow. Damien Sandow was so over like Rover. He was the most over of, any, of anybody. He was Rusev Day at that time. Mm. And unfortunately, that just wasn't working because Daniel Bryan came in. And they were rocket shipping Daniel Bryan to the to the moon, and then the Miz is he. That's where his pushes were were go, were coming at that point, and they were they, all all of a sudden these things seem to change so quickly for them, and unfortunately you just you're either the one that's getting sent to the rocket ship to the moon, or you if you are sometimes you're just the guy that gets unfortunately taken off for a different guy that comes in. Now they're now they're all in on this guy. They were all in on you, but now they're all in on this guy now. I.e. Brodus Clay. Yeah, and it's just like it's it's just this kind of mixed bag of that, and it, and unfortunately that's what ended up happening right at the tail end of both Damian Sandow and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, so on September second, Raw, as punishment for speaking out, like I said, he got fired. We just played the clip, and this was set up for him to you know get everything situated with his marriage and everything like that, and then Goldust over the next few weeks he would lose. Goldust would return, and over the next few weeks he would lose to Orton with Cody's reinstatement on the line. While his father, Dusty Rhodes, was knocked out by Big Show while pleading for his son to get his job back. In the return of a vengeful Rhodes, the brothers uh, gate-crashed Raw by attacking the Shield. And on October 6th at Battleground, Rhodes and Goldust won their jobs back. On October 27th in Hell in a Cell, the Rhodes brothers' first successful title defense after winning the triple threat match against the Usos and Rollins and Reigns. This is when, I'm sorry, what happened here? Oh, they won their jobs back, and they defeated WWE Tag Team Champions on October 27th at Hell in a Cell. And, and then later on in their first successful title defense, uh, they won the triple threat match against the Usos and Rollins and Reigns. On December 13th, SmackDown, it was announced that Cody Rhodes and Goldust would defend the Tag Team Championships against the Real Americans, Jack Swagger and Antonio Cesaro. Uh, and also Ryb Axel, which was Ryback and Curtis Axel. What a stupid name. Oh, that was a great time in wrestling. Yeah, and, and Big Show and Rey Mysterio in a fatal four-way tag team match at TLC Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. At Royal Rumble, Rhodes and Goldust uh, dropped the tag titles from the New Age Outlaws, and he and Goldust also entered the Royal Rumble match itself. Goldust accidentally eliminated Rhodes before Roman Reigns eliminated him, and Goldust and Rhodes faced the Outlaws in a rematch after Raw on Royal Rumble which ended in a no contest after Brock Lesnar attacked them both. The titles, the title rematch was rescheduled on February 3rd Raw in a steel cage. Rhodes was pinned following a moonsault off the top of the cage from Road Dog, which was, who was not the legal man at the time, allowing Billy Gunn to use the good old fame-asser to win the match for the New Age Outlaws. They lost momentum when they went through a losing streak, and after losing to Curtis Axel and Ryback, Cody told Goldust to find a better tag team partner and left his brother. Following payback, Roach tried to find a new partner for his brother, getting Sankara, R-Truth, and Kofi Kingston to replace him in the team, both times losing to Axel and Ryback. On June 16th Raw, Rhodes debuted a new character, Stardust, a ring name also previously used by his father during his, during his time in the AWA. That's something I didn't know. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. He paid homage to his dad that way. It's really cool. With face paint and a bodysuit mannerisms, and mannerisms very similar to Goldust, he teamed with his brother to defeat Ryback that night, and they and then at both Money in the Bank and on Raw the following. On Raw August 18th, Stardust and Goldust defeated the tag team champions the Usos in a non-title match, and this led to a rematch in August 25th Raw, where they both defeated the Usos via countout, and they did not win the titles. After the match, both Stardust and Goldust turned into villains and attacked the Usos. 
Next week, Goldust and Stardust explain their actions to the fans while holding them back and attacking, and that attacking the Usos would put them one step closer to reaching the cosmic key in the galactic universe. So good. The galactic universe promos were just the best. Just the absolute best. I'm actually going to, after we get through a little bit of this Stardust stuff, I'm actually going to play my all-time favorite Stardust promo right after this. Uh, at Night of Champions, they defeated the Usos and became the Tag Team Champions for the second reign as a team. At Hell in a Cell, they successfully retained against the Usos and they lost the title to Damian Mizdow and the Miz. That's when Damian Sandow was the Miz's stunt double. Yep. And he became bigger than the Miz at the mm, time. And then that was right at the tail end where, where uh, Sandow got fired. Yeah, and a fatal four-way tag match also involving the Usos and Los Matadors the next month at Survivor Series while losing a rematch the next night on Raw. In early February 2015, Goldust and Stardust were defeated by the Ascension. And once again, tensions began to boil with Stardust, showing his frustrations at Goldust. Before we get into all that stuff, which eventually led to the decline of uh, Stardust and Goldust as a tag team, I want to play my favorite uh, Stardust promo. This is from July 4, 2014, and this promo is simply called, What's in a Name? And as usual, another ad is popping up. This is killing me. I had these things all queued up. I'll get into this a little bit while the ad plays out. My apologies for that, guys. So in early February 2015, Goldust and Stardust, again, they, they were defeated. And tensions began to show the frustrations. After the match, Goldust called Stardust uh, Cody. And Stardust responded by telling Goldust never to refer him by that name again. Here is the promo. Cosmic revelations? Children of dust. An age-old question that has plagued the universe for centuries. What's in a name? I don't know. But it must be pretty important. Look there. You see? It's written in the stone. Yes. Yes, it's... It's a harmonic convergence. It's that convergence. And the gold dust. Yes. A celestial entity unlike the world has ever seen. Wait, where did you go? Why does he always do that? But I like it. Such a great promo. And the, the, a lot of those promos were great out there. I apologize with all the issues tonight with YouTube, guys. I did have everything queued up. I'm really sorry about that. But this is what happens when you go live. That shows you that we're live, we're raw, we're real. Everything's all the above. So, and shit happens. Shit does happen. So um, he, again, after he called Stardust Cody, he responded, Don't ever call me that name again. And on February 16th, Raw, Stardust executed the crossroads on Goldust after a tag match dissolving the team. He then explained to his father that Cody Rhodes was dead and Dusty may as well be too. This led to a match between Goldust and Stardust at Fastlane, which Goldust won via roll-up. Afterwards, Stardust attacked Goldust backstage while explaining to his father that he had killed Cody Rhodes. The feud between Stardust and Goldust ended with Stardust attacked Goldust after Goldust won a match against Adam Rose while pretending to be one of Rose's rosebuds in a costume suit. The feud officially concluded with Stardust and then became involved in the Intercontinental Championship ladder match at WrestleMania 31, 
competing against the current champion, Bad News Barrett, R-Truth, Dean Ambrose, Luke Harper, Dolph Ziggler, and the winner of the match at the time, Daniel Bryan. On April 6th, Raw, Stardust answered John Cena's United States Championship Open Challenge but failed to win the title. Stardust was defeated by R-Truth in the 2015 King of the Ring and at the Payback pre-show. So we're starting to see the steadily decline now of, of everything Cody Rhodes. He was kind of up again with the Stardust character, but once the fans kind of fell out of love with the gimmick, we're starting to see it kind of revert back to um, him not pretty much being on any major, major events. He got eliminated very early on in the King of the Ring tournament, and he was on the Payback pre-show. Yeah. You know usually if you're on a pre-show, at least back then in those times... You knew it was never a good thing. Yeah, and plus that character it was only supposed to be for three months. It was literally Stardust was only supposed to go for like a three-month stint. And then they ended up going two and a half years with it. Yeah, it was unfortunate. It really was because you could tell as, as more and more as he played it, he just got tired of it. The Stardust character eventually evolved to reassemble a comic book supervillain, which led him to entering a storyline with then at the time rival a rivalry with actor Stephen Amell, a.k.a. The Arrow. After confronting Amell on a May 25th episode of Raw, Stardust renamed his finishing maneuver the Queen's Crossbow after Oliver Queen, who's a character that Stephen Amell plays on the Arrow. Uh, Amell's character, um, after taking a brief hiatus following the death of his father, Stardust returned on July 13th, Raw defeating Neville, starting a new rivalry between the two. Stardust then went on a winning streak, defeating the likes of R-True, Zack Ryder, and Fandango. He attacked Neville following the match with King Barrett and also attacked guest star Stephen Amell, leading to Amell and Stardust match at SummerSlam. Stardust and Barrett were defeated in a tag match by Amell and Neville. On September 3rd, SmackDown, the Ascension aligned themselves with Stardust by attacking Neville. This was a really stupid storyline. I remember this. This was the tail end of everything. Uh, forming the fraction the Cosmic Wasteland. The Night of Champions, they defeated Neville and the Lucha Dragons in a six-man tag match on the pre-show again. After this, they were defeated in every match they participated in during the 2015 Slammy Awards. Stardust stole Stephen Amell's trophy for Celebrity Moment of the Year. Then he suffered back-to-back -back losses during his feud with Titus O'Neil, who attempted to convince Stardust to going back to being Cody Rhodes. On February 15th, Raw, Stardust participated in a five-way match for the IC Championship, but did not win the match. And at WrestleMania 32, he competed in a seven-man ladder match for the IC Championship, which was won by Zack Ryder. Post-WrestleMania, Stardust lost to Apollo Crews four times on television, which was followed by a loss to Zack Ryder on May 20th episode of Superstars. On May 21st, Cody Rhodes revealed on Twitter that he had requested his release from WWE, which was officially granted the following day. Rhodes cited frustrations with WWE's creative department and his position within the company for the reason for the request of his release. Nothing that he had pleaded with writers, uh, noting that he had pleaded with writers to end the Stardust gimmick for over six months and pissed numerous storylines and ideas which had been ignored. Reflecting on Rhodes' WWE career, this is a couple quotes from a lot of famous people within the wrestling organization. Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer wrote the following: uh, His run with Legacy, his run with his run with Legacy Rhodes was Rhodes was used more of a lower and mid card wrestler in a number of changing roles, adding that his career had gone nowhere and he hadn't been used well. James Cadwell of Pro Wrestling Torch wrote he had been floundering in the Stardust character for a past over the past year or so, mostly landing on superstars in main event. Jason Powell of ProWrestling.net commented that Rhodes was choosing to leave. Rhodes' choosing to leave was surprising in the sense that Cody and his family had worked for WWE for so long. That was the only one who was, his head was scratching as to why Cody chose to leave. But this is by far my favorite quote. This is David Shearer of Pro Wrestling Insider. He wrote, I can't blame him. Not one bit. Not even one little stinking bit. WWE never gave him a real chance. And that's just sad to me. Mm -hmm. So that, um, 
that was uh, pretty much everything going. And I want to play this now from uh, the uh, the Sam Roberts podcast. Exit. I want to play this uh, this clip now. This is pretty much Cody talking about how we exited WWE and um, why everything kind of went down the way it is. This is probably this is probably my favorite. I get there were so many clips, so many interviews that he had done post leaving WWE, but this one kind of sums up everything in a nice little neat package. Yep, everything you did with Sam, you'll you'll definitely hear all of that. From WWE, like, was it this dramatic moment of, you're giving this to me, I'm not taking it, I'm out of here, is it, look guys, you know I've been fed up, I'm leaving, like, what was the exit moment? It was rather dramatic, um, because nobody quits. Right. They they fire you. Right. Nobody, nobody gets to quit WWE. Um, and I wasn't gonna have that. They were gonna keep me there, whether it be out of respect for what I've done already, or whether it just be out of respect for my dad. I was gonna work there forever. And I am not one who just, I just, the paycheck just is not worth, it's not worth your happiness. It's not. It's, you said on Aubrey Stevenson's podcast that you left seven figures. Did you leave seven figures on the table? That is a very, on Aubrey's podcast, I was drinking. <laughs> um, I openly said in the beginning. Um, I mean, that's that's fair because that's about, yeah. Wow. I mean, without like, oh, I'm so great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. You that, could clear that. In that was what it was. Go, that was what it was going to be with WWE. But remember, all those years I had with them are also they helped build up. Sure. The opportunity and the resources to say, you know what, guys, I don't need it currently. I don't need it currently. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go do this stuff. Uh, it was dramatic because everyone wanted to talk me down. And you get to a point, like I said, three to six months. When you say everybody wanted to talk you down, are you talking the wrestlers or are you talking the manager? The wrestlers, uh, the management, the, your closest uh, mentors, um, your friends. Uh, they want to talk you down. And I just, I couldn't be talked down. Three to six months of legit planning the big, the great escape. And uh, I couldn't be talked down. The main thing I, I wanted to do to protect myself was I released my statement. And uh, I know some people don't like people who overshare, but it was important for fans of wrestling in general to know what's happening here. Um, because I was not going, you guys don't get to fire me. You guys don't get to fire me. I gave you everything. I get to be the one to sit. I get to fire you. Um, and, you know, that didn't sit well with everybody. I did get a lot of wonderful and positive uh, reinforcing text about good luck and Here's what you should look out for, and um, you know, but that that was kind of the dramatic. <clears throat> I think I, you know, I included in the statement that I had the week before I'd been Greensboro, North Carolina, dressing in the room that Dusty and Ric Flair dressed in for Starcade 1983, right and I looked in my bag, and there's this uh, this damn trash bag that I have to put on with stars on it. With stars on it, it was very nice actually, <laughs> but I like I was so begrudging. And putting it on. And I actually told Kofi a week before. I had this big argument with one of my bosses. We won't say which one. Where I said, uh, I'm not putting on that effing suit one more time. Wow. I thought I thought that'll, that'll get him. That'll work. <laughs> 20 minutes later, I'm putting the suit on. <laughs> and uh, I'm painting my face so sad in the mirror. And Kofi Kingston, I just see like... <laughs> around the corner. So take a picture of me. So, um, no, it, was, uh, it was dramatic, but uh, it was the right time. And uh, the, again... Uh, hats off to WWE because they could have not let it happen. Yeah. Uh, they could have said, no, no, you're going to sit at home for six months. And no, so they uh, they made it happen uh, with me. So good for them in that regard. Yeah. Is it, 
Final battle is going to be on pay per view, right? The yeah. Yes. Are you going to be able to be Cody Rhodes? <laughs> oh man. No. Um, no, I cannot be a uh, Cody Rhodes on Evolve or Ring of Honor or wherever I go that is uh, televised. Mm. Um, that's ongoing, so that could change. I hope it changes. But today. Uh, but as of today, uh, no. And uh, I wish that was different. And it should. So yeah, that's him just talking about how the fact that unfortunately WWE owns the rights to the name Cody Rhodes. Yeah, and I think that was why that, that was able to that the, why that was able to be made happen. Why why that was he was able to leave so then the way that he was because of the fact that it's like okay, you give up your last name, we'll let you go. You give up all the things that you we helped build you, which is your last name and what we did with your family and everything like that. You want to go be on your own? Okay, that's fine. You have to go come up with a whole new name and you can't have this one. That's mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. 100% Hundred percent, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, you know what? It was the best thing that he could have done, and you can hear in that interview, like, even though, even though he was like, you know, it, this was it was the creative differences and it was creative direction, and I was in a rut because they wouldn't let me get out of this character and yeah. left potentially seven figures. Uh, you could see he still went about it in a classy way. He didn't really smack talk anybody high up in WWE. Not at all. He said he got into a fight with one of his bosses, but he wasn't going to mention who. Yeah. And you could see Sam Roberts' heart kind of breaking because he's like, I, I want that tidbit. I, I want that. I want to know who it was. But I think he kept that interview very classy, to the point, yeah. made his statements. There was about a minute and a half more I could have played of him explaining exactly why he couldn't get the names, but that's all legality stuff. I'm not going to go into that. The fact is that we needed to know at that point in time and ongoing now, yeah. he's only wrestling as Cody or yeah. the American Nightmare Cody. It's like contracts and people are like, I want to know what their contract is and what they make and everything. You think anybody's going to release their actual, like, their thing that they gave to a, a lawyer and everything like that to actually tell you what's going on? You're like, no, sorry, that's not happening. Well, the only person that did was Brock Lesnar, and I was yeah. just to piss fans off. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to make 200000 for Raw, and I'll make 700000 for a pay-per-view. Suck it. Yeah, and that's some ballpark figure that, for all everybody knows, that was just some bullshit number he just threw out there to make people mad. Exactly. It's a, the internet is the internet, people. You right. cannot take it at its 100% truth. And if you do, I pity you. And yeah, you have a problem. I feel really bad for you. <laughs> all right, so after he left uh, you know, WWE, he continued to work under his real name. And on the independent circuit, he often hesitated from using it in order to avoid conflict with WWE. On June 3rd, it was announced that Rhodes' first WWE post-match would be at Evolve in Jopa, Maryland on August 19th, where he would face Zack Sabre Jr. at Evolve 66. A follow-up announcement was made that Rhodes signed to participate in a more unspecified dates for the company. On August 19th, Rhodes defeated Sabre by submission. After the match, Rhodes called out Drew Galloway. But the following day, he lost to Chris Hero. Rhodes wrestled in, North, in the Northwest Northeast Wrestling Promotion from August 25th to 28th. On August 25th, he beat Brian Anthony in a match with Ricky Steamboat as a guest referee. And from Mona, New York, Rhodes beat Mike Bennett in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. The match had been announced on June 3rd, and each other's wives were in their corner. On August 27th, he beat Kurt Angle at Winnipeg, Wappeningers Fall, New York. And on August 28th, he beat Sammy Callahan. Now you can see here, right? As soon as he leaves WWE, four wins in a row. On June 6th, uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla announced that Rhodes would be wrestling in their annual Battle of Los Angeles tournament. On September 3rd, he was billed as Cody R, and he defeated Sammy Callahan in his first round match of the tournament. The following day, he was eliminated from the tournament in the quarterfinals by the eventual winner, the villain, Marty Scroll. On November 26th, at Wrestling Cage Showcase Champions, 
Rhodes defeated Sunjay Dutt for the GFW NEX Gen Championship. On March 3rd, 2017, Rhodes appeared in Northeast Wrestling in Connecticut, defeated Kurt Angle in a steel cage match. On, on March 18th, 2017, he defeated Mike Bennett for the new heavyweight championship. And in December 1st, 2017, he would lose the new heavyweight championship to Flip Gordon in a triple threat match. On June 10th, 2016, he made his debut with What Culture Pro Wrestling at iPay-Per-View refused to lose under the ring name Cody Rhodes, defeating Doug Williams. The following day on the 14th episode of Loaded, Cody unsuccessfully challenged Joseph Connors for the WCPW Championship. And he would later face Kurt Angle at True Legacy in a losing effort. After the match, Cody issued a challenge to El Ligero for the WCPW Internet Championship, which Ligero accepted on November 30th at Delete. Rhodes defeated El Ligero for the WCPW Internet Championship and retained his GFW NEX Gen Championship at the same time in a title match, which was pretty, in a title for title match, which is pretty cool. On April 29, 2017, at No Regrets, Rhodes lost the WCPW Internet Championship to Gabriel Kidd in a triple threat match, also involving Joe Hendry. Later that night, Rhodes took part in a battle royal with WCPW Championship and was eliminated by Joe Coffey. following day, he defeated former WCPW Champion Drew Galloway in his final match for WCPW. Yep. Now we're going to get into, uh, we're, we're close to the end here, guys. I know this has been an hour plus. And I hope you're enjoying the show as it is now. I'm going to get into a quick little thing about TNA, then go into Ring of Honor. Then I got two more promos to play, and we're out. And we'll call, we'll, we'll call for our closing statements of the night. Closing statements of the night, absolutely. So I'm going to talk TNA Impact now. 2016-17, uh, he was expected to work event, uh, events for uh, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. While subsequently working in Ring of Honor, both deals have been non-exclusive. On September 22nd, he was confirmed by TNA that he was billed as Cody and would be debuting in the promotion on October 2nd at Bound for Glory. At Bound for Glory, Cody, alongside his wife Brandi Rhodes, made his TNA debut as a fan favorite, attacking Mike Bennett and his wife Maria, and they began feuding between the two couples. On October 6th episode of Impact Wrestling, he cut a promo where he put over TNA and said he, had a sh he wanted a shot at the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. But Bennett and Maria interrupted the segment, and after the brawl, and ended up in a brawl. On October 13th, Impact Wrestling, he made his in-ring debut, defeating Bennett. On October 20th, he challenged Eddie Edwards to the TNA Championship, but he lost that match. On October 27th, Impact Wrestling, Cody and Brandy Rhodes defeated Mike Bennett and Maria. However, after the match, Cody was attacked backstage by Lashley. This was Lashley when, still, when Lashley was still in the house of TNA. Yep. Cody returned February 23rd, 2017, calling out Moose to thank him for helping his wife Brandy while he was away. However, after learning Brandy had Moose's phone number... Cody would attack Moose, turning villainous in the process. And on March 2nd, Impact Wrestling, Cody brawled with Moose after a segment and attacked Josh Matthews. On March 9th, Impact Wrestling, Cody challenged Moose for a fight once again, but Moose was not present. Then on March 16th, Cody did not let Brandy participate in her match and called out Moose once again, challenging him for his Impact Brand Championship. And on March 23rd, Impact Wrestling, Cody attacked Moose with a steel chair before his match against Ellie Drake. And on March 30th, Impact Wrestling, Cody defeated Moose at the Impact for the Impact Grand Championship. And the match marked the end of Rhodes' dates at TNA. Mm -hmm. Now we are going to go back. Very short stint for Cody over at, or Cody and Brandy over at uh, TNA. You know, it was a short stint, but it was, um, I think it was, uh, it was a good stint. It was, uh, it was short, it was sweet, it was simple, it was to the point, and it was nothing where anybody could get really, 
really, uh, you know, controlled over, which was good, right? Not really, but if you go back and you watch Mike Bennett and you watch Maria, or you watch uh, what, what's her face? Oh my God, it was some of the worst matches you'll ever see in your entire life. Yeah, probably why it was such a short date. He probably wanted to feel out the process and see how things were. And when he realized that it wasn't great, he just fulfilled his dates and boogied out. Yep, I want to go fight real opponents. Thanks. Well, which brings us to Ring of Honor, which is 2016 to present. So this is why he was working both TNA and ROH. So yeah. on July 9th, 2016, he announced he would appear at Ring of Honor's final battle, pay-per-view on December 2nd. He made an official announcement the following day at the event's Rhodes, who was simply billed as Cody. He debuted as a babyface at the time he defeated Jay Lethal, following a low blow that proceeded to attack Lethal. Senior referee Todd Sinclair taunted ROH fans and shoved ROH commentator Steve Carano, thus turning him heel in the process. On January 18th episode of Ring of Honor, Cody defeated Carano at Supercard of Honor X X V X or Supercard of Honor 9 pay-per-view event. Cody was defeated by Jay Lethal in a Texas bull rope match. I actually had a chance to find this match online the other day when I was doing my research. Man, awesome. it good. Awesome. It was fantastic. Later in that night, he was attacked by former ROH World Champion Christopher Daniels. And it was reported that after a year as a free agent, he decided to settle down with ROH as his home promotion. On May 2nd at War of Worlds, Cody unsuccessfully challenged Daniels for the World Heavyweight Championship in a three-way match involving Jay Lethal. But on June 23rd at Best in the World, he defeated Daniels to become the ROH Champion, marking his first world title of his career. And he was billed as the first member of the Rhodes family to capture the world title in 31 years. That's a big freaking deal, man. That's a huge freaking deal. Cody and Dusty are believed to be the second father and son combination to win the major world championships in the United States after Fritz and Kerry Von Erich. September 23rd, it was confirmed that Cody would sign a multi-year contract with ROH. And on December 15th, at final battle, Cody, who's now bleached blonde hair, lost his world championship to Dalton Castle. On June, July 21st, 2008, he and fellow Bullet Club members, the Young Bucks, defeated the Kingdom to win the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championship, marking his first reign. Cody and the Bucks would lose the titles at Survival of the Fittest uh, to the Kingdom on November 4th after a 106-day reign and two successful title defenses. On November 12th of this year, Rhodes announced on Twitter that he heard a loud pop in his knee while promoting an ROH event, and he is currently scheduled to be out for the rest of 2018. So at least for the rest of this year, Cody's going to have his feet up, relaxing, maxing, and chilling, which is what he rightfully deserves. Uh, I want to just touch on briefly New Japan, and then we'll touch on All In, and I'll play my promos. We'll do our final thoughts. Is that lovely? Absolutely. All right. So, are you enjoying yourself? Have you learned something today? Have I entertained you? Yes, I've. I've Despite I my audio issues, which I take full responsibility for, and I saw you shaking your head, and I feel like a scolded child who needs to have a timeout. So maybe after the show, you can give me a timeout. No, I wasn't scolding anyone. <laughs> I, 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 I was not. I was not trying to be Marty Skrull in any way. I'm not trying to be a villain over here in any way. I promise you. Listen, <laughs> listen we, all, we all know one of us could only pull that mask off. Right, and it's clearly me <laughs> because I do not have the face you have. Chiseled chin, fucking. Me and Cody should be brothers. Like honestly, like I look oh, at his, yeah. I look oh, at yeah, his that's, phone, I look you know at the what? facial structure. Tweet that everything. to him tonight. Dashing Steve Mitchell, dashing Cody. Right. What do you think? The right. dashing brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Sounds like something Vince McMahon would think of on the fucking toilet. That's Excuse exactly what I was thinking. When <laughs> you said that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's it's one of those like, yeah, yeah. It's totally. super cool, man. Yeah, great, great idea. Let it I go. Think it, I think it'll work. You're an idiot. We're fired. It'll work out. <laughs> All right. So New Japan Pro Wrestling. We got 2016 to the present. December 10th, 16. Uh, Brody was billed as the American Nightmare. Cody. 
He appeared in New Japan Pro Wrestling World Tag League Finals. The video of Via Package announcing himself as the newest member of the Bullet Club. And on January 4, 2017, he defeated Juice Robinson in his debut match at Wrestle Kingdom 11 in the Tokyo Dome. Cody returned to New Japan in February during a New Japan and Ring of Honor co-produced Honor Rising Japan 2017 shows. Cody's next New Japan match took place in May 3rd at Wrestling Dontaku 2017 where he defeated David Finley after defeating Michael Elgin in a, at Dominion 6 in Osaka Joe Hall on June 11th. Cody challenged Kuchika Okada to a match for the I, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The match took place on July 1st at G1 Special in USA in Long Beach, California and it was won by Okada. On August 13th, Cody and the Bullet Club staplemate Hangman Page successfully challenged War Machine for the uh, for the titles, but they were interrupted. Interrupted. I'm sorry. Interrupted. Oh, sorry. Interrupted Page to challenge new champion Jay White and the new beginning at Sapporo. Cody attacked Omega with the help of Page, eventually being stopped by Bashi, and which was more questions concerning the leadership of the Bullet Club. This would lead us into. Uh, come to a final head at the G1 Special in San Francisco. Ah, uh, that's what I lost it. So, I'm sorry. They were interrupted by Umaga. Kenny by Kenny Omega. Omega. Yeah, they were interrupted by Omega. Sorry, Kenny Omega, uh, when he challenged Jay White. Yeah, and then, and then uh, Kota Ibushi came in to, to check on them because uh, there's there's some, some tension going on there yeah. between the two. Storyline building. So Ibushi had to come in, and then the Golden Lovers came back together again. Yeah, I lost my train of thought. A lot of information to read, so I must have had a couple of my pages turned around. So, um, this would come to a head at the G1 Special in San Francisco on July 7th, where Cody unsuccessfully challenged uh, Kenny Omega for his newly won IWP, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And after the match, as the BC Firing Squad in Kingdom Haku, Tonga Roa, and Tampa Tonga attacked Kenny and the rest of the Bullet Club, Tonga offered Cody a chance to align with them when he handed him a steel chair to hit Omega with, but he refused by hitting him and ROA with the chair, only to get laid out when he tried to hit Haku. Makes sense. Following this, he recovered. He helped Umaga back to his feet, and they embraced along with the rest of the Bullet Club, thus fully restoring the leadership to the elite side, to Omega, and burying the hatchet with each other and turning face in the process. At Fighting Spirit Unleash, Cody defeated Robinson to win the IWGP United States Championship, his first championship in New Japan. On October, on October 24th, Cody announced that he was no longer affiliated with the Bullet Club. And now leads us into All In 2018. In 2017, Dave Meltzer suggested that an independent wrestling show would be able to sell out 10,000-seat arena in the United States. I love it when Meltzer gets proven wrong. I live for it, Steve. I live for it as much as I live to see Nia Jax get fired. There's just two things in life I live and breathe for next to my family. Seeing Meltzer get proven wrong, and hopefully one day see Nia Jax get fired. <laughs> okay? These are things I live and breathe for. So, couldn't sell out a 10,000-seat arena in the United States. He just said United States. Didn't say world, said United States. Rhodes, along with the Young Bucks, challenged the idea by defending a show specifically for the purpose of drawing 10,000 fans. And how long did it take for all those tickets to sell out? Well, I'm going to get into it right now. In May, it was announced that the show would be named All In, and will be held on September 1st, 2018 at the Sears Center Arena, including many popular wrestlers from various tickets, various promotions such as Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Independent Circuit. On May 13th, 2018, tickets for All In sold out in... 30... Minutes. 30 minutes. Actually, here it says 30 minutes and 29 seconds. No, yeah, yeah. It says, no, it says 30 minutes. <laughs> I love it. Because like, I see all those numbers, too. So I'm floating around online. I'm like, it's 30 minutes and like the 29 and 45 seconds. I'm like, no, it's 30 minutes, guys. 30 minutes, guys. <laughs> uh, Cody defeated Nick Aldis to win the w, uh, NWA World Heavyweight Championship, which made him and his father, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the first father and son duo to 
ever hold the championship, which is a huge deal, huge honor. One of the coolest uh, moments in wrestling history. He would lose the championship back to Aldis at NWA at the NWA 70th anniversary show. And that pretty much culminates everything we know about Kobe. You know, he's currently injured, got his feet up. But this this pretty much is the information factor of the show. The last 10 minutes or so is just going to be these great videos that I have planned. But before I play this next video, uh, I do want to say that if it wasn't for this guy specifically, being able to cut promos and look the way he did, there wouldn't be the guys in the business that we have today. And I mean that in sincerity. Dusty Rhodes was literally the American dream because he was a big boy who didn't fit the super moniker of the super heavyweight. He just went in there, he styled, he profiled, cut great promos. Cut the best promos. He cut the best promos next to Ric Flair at the time, in my yep, opinion. I agree. And he literally did it with nothing but charisma and passion and that's what made you and I at such a young age fall in love with this business and literally carry it over for the 30 plus years we have yeah and you know on my on turning 35 uh, just a couple days ago uh, was my birthday yes happy birthday sir thank you very much in turning 35 I had really a chance to kind of sit back and reflect on all the great moments in my life from marrying the love of my life, to having my two beautiful little girls, to having some great friends, people I consider like brothers. You, you're not a friend, you're family. You've been family from day one. I don't even consider you as a friend. I introduce you as my brother to almost everybody that I know. Sometimes, Likewise. We, sometimes we butt heads, but you know, whatever, it is what it is. Brothers fight. Absolutely. It's supposed to happen. We never had a steel cage match though. One day it'll happen. One day. We'll yeah. film it on YouTube. Yeah, don't I just, worry, guys. I just, I gotta get in-ring ready, so it's gonna be a minute or two. Yeah, I got some ring rust going on. But, um, you know, I had a chance to reflect back, and I had a chance to reflect back on all the things in my life that I loved. Comic books, video games, wrestling, basketball. Those are kind of like the four things that I've always loved throughout my whole entire life. And when I think about one thing in particular, there's one that kind of rises just above the rest, and it was wrestling. Because wrestling was a chance to escape to a world where everybody was at the same level. Yeah. You had larger-than-life characters. You had these giants, these gods among men. Tearing the house down for you, breaking their backs for ten bucks, some places. Then going on later on to make thousands of dollars, and if you were to say millions of dollars. So I look back, and this was this is just a moment for me to reflect on who some people I really admire in the business were. And obviously, we know who my favorites are. We got our Triple H's, we got our Stone Cold Steve Austin's, we got our we got our Stings, we got all that kind of stuff that were always my top guys, my Ultimate Warrior. Always my top guys. Everything. That that was, you know, those were the guys for me. But there was one guy that I always respected and appreciated. And the clip I'm going to play now is Cody talking about the last moment he had with his father. But when I think about the one guy who I always appreciated, if not for him in front of the camera, from what he did for us behind the camera, from the superstars he brought to us, from how he took NXT to that next level with Triple H before he passed. And when you hear what Cody has to say in this clip, I hope it brings everybody back to the level that Dusty Rhodes just isn't a legend. Dusty Rhodes was pretty much one of the forefathers of our sport. Yes, there were wrestlers before him, but this was a man who laid the groundwork for the character. Yeah. And it's, it's sad because we won't have another mind like that. And when guys like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, when they eventually go, Bret the Hitman Hart, sad day for all of us because the legends are fading very quickly and yes. it's sad 
because even though we can go back and honor them and remember them, it won't be the same not knowing that they're not here. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, tell you right now, that Dusty's up there wrestling, and he is kicking the crap out of everybody, and doing it so sweetly, baby. Yes, and also, um, and just one last thing to touch on. Um, I, first of all, um, I, I want to say uh, just amazing work, sir. I thought that was absolutely incredible. I thought that was a great, unbelievable. From a person who knows Cody Rhodes inside and out, I can tell you for a fact that you absolutely nailed every single head of what needed to be touched on, what needed to get talked about, all the above. Um, and, and, and I can definitely tell you that Dusty is looking up there after watching his son win the NWA Heavyweight Championship. I just recently, I just watched that, uh, that clip again of, not the match, I watched, I love the match, I love Nick Aldis. Oh, the match, no, the match I love the Barnburner, match. Man. I love Nick Aldis, I think he's incredible. He's a 10 and star. I, I love the fact that he came, uh, down from England specifically after, uh, three, oh my god, I forget it, it was a ridiculous day, it was like a year that he was, he held the belt for. And a year plus that he held the belt for specifically came to all in to do that job for Cody to get to to give him the title. And uh, even on that last roll up, Cody even said himself of how he, he leaned in and specifically said, thank you very, very much for doing what you did for me, brother, for doing what you're about to do for me, brother. Leaned over, cried, held the belt all the above. And I just saw uh, Dusty just looking down, just absolutely in buckets of tears, looking at what a spectacle of a son that this person has turned into and the fact that Cody and the Young Bucks now are turning this industry inside and out completely. Mm -hmm. They are reinventing, they're basically taking all the same ideas that Dusty did and now Cody is just taking is taking it to another level of reinvention and exactly the way that that's all Dusty wanted to do was reinvent the business. From well, war games. They say you can't reinvent the wheel, but you can. You can. You can reinvent the business. And the fact that Cody has gone out there from the way that he took his own ability to be able to not have a career from, not really have the career that he wanted, to go from just having, you know, slightly good matches, only having Randy Orton, The Miz, and, you know, these kinds of matches, to mm -hmm. now you got Cody versus Drew Galloway, Matt Riddle, Nick Aldis 1 and 2. Willie Mack, Brian Cage, Kenny Omega, Juice Robinson when he won the, 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 the when he won the IWGP US title, Kazuchika Okada, Cody Kota Ibushi, Marty Skrull, Kurt Angle, Sammy Guevara, Sammy Callahan, Ray Phoenix, Zack Sabre Jr., and Pete Dunn's streak that he initially took from him when he was in Defiant uh, to, to Ricochet, and that's just to name a few. Of the list that he's gone down to, I just want to face amazing opponents. Of I want my matches to be the spectacle of what people will remember from me, and the fact that I can go in there and go tell a story with absolutely anyone, just the same way as Dad used to go in and tell that story with the bionic elbow with absolutely everyone. And now the fact that Cody has just gone out there to effect to be in WWE, and now we all know about Evolve, Wrestle Pro. Destiny, Defiant, What Culture Pro Wrestling, Progress, Ring of Honor, NWA, TNA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, NXT, and NXT UK, which of course we just crowned uh, Rhea Ripley as the new NXT UK Women's Champion. I wanted Storm, I did, I wanted Storm, but Ripley was a better fit for the first face. I see it, totally I see agree. why they did it, but I really wanted Storm because I thought she had the momentum from the Mae Young Classic. I yeah. really did, man. 
and it's going to line them up for great, great rivalry that's going to keep going. I'm for looking a while. for Storm Ripley too. Yeah. Storm Ripley one was a barn burner. Yeah. But give me Storm Ripley two. But give me a stipulation. You know me. I love my stipulations. Give yeah, me a cage. Man. Give me a false count anywhere. Give me a woman Iron Woman match. Just give me a stipulation. And those two can take it to the absolute limit. Well, that's what I mean. Like, give me a stipulation. I have, I, I've seen the regular wrestling match, and you fulfilled every wildest dream. Yeah. For But now I gotta I gotta have chairs. I gotta have tables. I gotta have blood. Yeah. In seriously. my opinion, you're not a champion unless you bled all over somebody else. And that's what your, your strong style NXT, the British strong style NXT UK is really bringing to the table. And that's what I noticed about the way things are going. And what's going on specifically with all of these independent companies. Sorry, WWE, but the product out there is way better. It's hard-hitting. It's strong style. It's what you're proving in NXT. It's what you're doing in NXT UK. It's what they're doing here in Destiny it's Wrestling right now. what they're doing here in Destiny. George the Iceman is killing it every day with bringing Canadian strong style in the same way that they're doing it with British and how they brought the British guys over here specifically to bring both of those strong style cultures together. And it's well, I mean, we already sh- we share a queen. Why not share a strong style, right? right? It's the same thing. It goes hand in hand. Right. So Britain and Canada hand in hand. hand. It just does. Fuck, just, give us a, just give it to us. But the bottom line is, I think it's awesome what uh, Cody has done for going out there and making a name for himself in the middle of all of this. But the point is to be able to go in there and tell this miraculous story. I can think of anyone that you can think of in any roster, and he's told the most amazing story with absolutely anyone and you can go back out there and you can go check those out they're on youtube you can go see any cody rhodes match that has gone on when in in every independent wrestling company and you will see just why he has become the american nightmare absolutely all right so here's cody talking about his dad last moments he had at wwe battleground 2013 and then i'm gonna play cody's epic promo from after all in and then we will say our final farewells and don't forget you can catch all our episodes new and old up until January 1st. And after January 1st, we cut out 20 more. And we Say only money. go from 40 to 65. So get them while they're hot. Download them. Keep them. Archive them. Do what you got to do. But as January 1st hits, they're gone. And also, next week will be our last podcast. Not forever. Don't panic. Yeah. Our last podcast till the new year. We'll be doing our awesome profile on Josh Alexander, the walking weapon, the current Destiny Wrestling Champion here for Canadian Strong Style. Destiny Wrestling Promotion in Canada. Awesome promotion. Like I said, Fight TV, check them out. Yep. And then after that, we'll be taking our Christmas break to enjoy the holidays, toast the new year, do all that. But first, Friday in January, we are back. We are back. And yeah. also, like we said earlier, look out for the Josh Alexander interview that's going to be coming up in the new year. We will announce it to you when it's officially going to happen. Absolutely. And that the, the good thing about next week's episode is it'll get you pumped for when we eventually sit down for our one-on-one with The Walking Weapon. We've also yep. got a lot of other cool dudes that we're trying to get in touch with to make sure the Canadian Strong Style just keeps growing and keeps coming up. We want to be at the forefront because we want to be the guys that could say before anybody else got a hold of them, we got them first. We were there first. We were there first because that's who we are. So this is Cody talking about the last moment with his dad. Then I'm going to play his epic promo from All In. And that's it. Check it out, guys. You do the storyline where you're fired and the angle with the shield starts. Your dad's brought into TV. It's because there's been points in WWE. Hey, where... one second. Are you guys having a good time? Is everybody? <laughs> because I I'm an overshare. I can be a little bit of a like blah. So please, somebody just tell me to wake up if you know. So. But there's been a lot of times that you're you and your brother have been on TV and you've maybe had something, but it's never really come to fruition. And yeah. finally. All three of you get to do this storyline, and it culminates in 
Battlegrounds 2013, where you and your brother go for the tag team titles. Dusty Rhodes in the corner. He's got the cowboy hat back on. Double denim and all up. And um, and you get to have this amazing experience where when you hit that crossroads on, I think it was Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that place came more unglued than, I think, anything in Buffalo. The most un-roads market we could be in. Um, and they were uh, so into it. The uh, We joke... Has anyone ever seen the movie Legends of the Fall? Legends of the Fall? Do you guys know that movie? Okay. Anthony Hopkins at the end is like this old, grizzled patriarch of the family, and he's got a gun in his big coat, and he like flails it out, and it's just this, it's this wilderness battle that takes place. That is my dad. He literally, he literally couldn't get in the ring. Um, and I can tell you all the things that Battleground was supposed to be. Some people know. It was supposed to be war games. That's why it was called Battleground. It was supposed to be me and the other fired guys versus the Shield. And it was going to be something different. And then Dustin went and had that good match. Um, anyways, it would have been all those things. But what it ended up being is that Rhodes Shield moment. My dad couldn't get in the ring. And uh, I was really worried about him. His knees. And he had he hated coming back as an old man, hated it. He wanted to, like, my mother, she asked my dad, uh, you know, a few years before he passed, because he was getting sick, and she was like, well, what can I do for you? And he just said, well, make me young again. That's all he wanted to be. He hated old wrestlers. He, he loves Rick to death. He loved Rick to death, but when he would see Rick on TV, just shake his head. When he would go to some of those conventions, when they'd get him out to do them, he, uh, he couldn't believe what he was seeing because he wanted the people to remember him for him. And I, I assured him, you know, they're, they're going to love you. Yeah, they're going to love you. You're freaking Dusty Rhodes. And we're going to make it. You don't even have to get in the ring. You don't have to do anything. And uh, the only thing he had to do was he was like, maybe I'll take off my belt with it at Dean, you know. And, like, his jeans were too big because he lost all this weight. And Jamie Noble was like, tell him not to take his belt off. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> of course, if you watch it back, he takes his belt off. He takes a really long time with it, and Ambrose is just flawless and how he's dealing with it. But we had this good match. But because of what he did on the outside, when he hits the elbow, it's really when the people stand up. When you have people stand up and you're not, it's not the finish, um, that's, that's as real as anything. I don't give a damn what you say about wrestling. That's real. And uh, he hit that elbow, and I, it's like I was watching Legends of the Fall and it was his last stand, and uh, that's all he wanted. He uh, he didn't want to come back and do the Gold Dust Stardust thing, and I, I, I don't blame him for that um, because he felt so good about that. He was so proud of, of that moment and being that performer, and I remember him and Vince had this nice embrace after where he told him, you know, was, Vince told him, that's one of the best matches I've ever seen. And uh, these two... These two like rivals, competitors, they have this hug and it meant the world to him. And you know, I just, what a great night. It really is. It's just, so I apologize, but it's just, I love the old man so much. I wasn't ready to lose him. And, uh, it was a really good moment. It was a really heartfelt moment. You could see the, the fact that he misses his dad. And you know what? I think after we hear this next promo before we wrap it up, if Dusty wasn't proud of Cody, after this promo, he definitely, definitely was. I hope an ad doesn't play, because I queued these up yesterday. <laughs> ah, see? 
right? But you know what? Like it, it's when you get those raw moments and those raw clips, those raw like moment you could feel it in Cody's Cody's heart that it was sinking. He loved talking about his dad, but he really didn't. the epic heartfelt promo which eventually led it to the success of all in and if any indie wrestling promotion can take a page from what these guys did from all in they can see it they can educate it they can study it they can learn from it they can break it down and they're the first ones to do it they're the first they're ones the to do it and it'll just do it it'll just get bigger yep. right now destiny the the promotion that we love that we rep all the time they're sitting in don cole off arena which sits about 700 to a thousand people yeah but we know with the product that George has and what they're doing there, they're eventually going to outgrow Don Koloff. They will. Oh, completely. They, they, will already, they basically already have. It's so, just a matter of when they choose to, to move. Well, from, what, from then it'll be progressing to, you know, Paramount. Paramount Fine Food Center, which is where the 905 play. Then Rico, where the Marlies play. Then eventually ACC. Yeah. It will happen because there's a smart businessman at the helm who's handling everything. A guy who doesn't step on anybody's toes, but knows when to push the right buttons when he needs to. And that's the same thing with All In. It's the same thing with anything that these guys are doing. Same thing with a guy like Cody Rhodes. So building off of the, the one half of the, the leadership of the Bullet Club to go to the other half of the leadership of the Bullet Club is the simple fact is this. You can tell great stories without the WWE creative machine. You can have great matches without being in WWE. And now with the internet and the way thing is today, the platform of finding great things for anything you love is available to the masses. Yep. So the fact is, is that no matter what they did, even if they rented a studio and just had dark matches and posted it on the internet, it would have drawn 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50,000 people. It would have. From what I understand, their pay-per-view numbers were off the charts too. Not only did they have 10,500 people sitting in the arena, yeah. but the pay-per-view numbers were from what I understand, 100 to 200,000 people easy. 
Yep, it was ridiculous, and there were a lot of events going on that weekend as well. But that that happened to draw. That was the one that drew. Above that was one that every, drew above all of them, and they just signed All In Two. All In Two is confirmed. It's happening. It's a hundred and fifty percent. I just saw it. Had just happened to see the it on uh, Marty Scurll's Instagram the other day, and was so excited when I saw that. Oh, the villain! If anybody wants to give me a late birthday gift, I would love a villain T-shirt. Triple X, because they shrink when you wash them. Send them one. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Send me one, please. I'll give you my address. Tweet me after the show. Yeah. All right, so this one has been epic. This has been an hour and 45 minute long. Great conversation. I hope I did Cody Rhodes justice. I hope he's proud. We're going to tweet this one to him. Hopefully he has a chance to listen. But next week, we're going to be doing Josh Alexander, the walking weapon profile, which we are so stoked to share his story with you guys. And then after that, say la vie till the new year. Yep. So don't forget, check us out next week. It'll be our final live of 2018. We are so stoked for our first year and a half of what we're doing, and we can't wait for 2019. And don't forget to check out for our YouTube page, because that's coming in the new year, too. Date and month to be specified, but it's coming in the new year. It's coming. So, for as always, I'm your host of the most, George Mackay. I'm Steve the Animal Mitchell. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to Cody Rhodes, all I can say is thank you. And Cody Rhodes, all I can say is we are all in, bud. All right, guys, that's it for us. Take care. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!